Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler. Ira works here with me. Fresh back from being on the road all night long. All so dedicated. Okay, Lionel. <laughs> dedicated <laughs> to getting into the investor coaching show for oh. you and Evan Barnard here as well. Not on the road all night long. All night long. <laughs> Is there a correlation to that in the 85 mile an hour comments you made? I don't know. (laughs) I think it may be highly correlated. The covariance. I'll tell you what, you hit some uh, of these potholes on 65 going 80. You don't want to do that. No, you don't want to do that, do you? No. Man. Okay, so uh, one of the things that hits the media quite a lot is the tendency of politicians to, you know, be involved in the stock market more than necessarily maybe they should be. And I want to put this into context in terms of what does that mean to you, me, and everybody else out there, and just do a little tutorial on that. So, Leviticus, if you could play this, there's a little segment from CNBC, I think that was instructive regarding a Fed meeting and uh, some things that happened right after. Go ahead. There's also this political report you were watching about Powell. Yeah, yesterday Powell apparently did have a meeting, a uh, closed-door meeting with uh, Democrats on the House Financial Services Committee. That's not unusual. He goes up to the Hill a lot, Powell, to talk to uh, both sides. But what some people are focused on is the fact that whatever it may be he said, and we have at least some quotes from uh, one uh, rep who was in the meeting, you know, he, that they're going to be waiting for PCE to give them more intel, but didn't get particularly excited about the hot CPI number. And the market yesterday, while it did end down sharply, rebounded right around the time that that meeting ended. We all know that um, House members do like to trade stocks. So just interesting going around that, that story. At least we do know the meeting took place, but we obviously don't. Just another reason they shouldn't be able to trade yeah, stocks, so perhaps. what was said or anything. But when you do look at a minute-by-minute minute of yesterday's uh, S&P, we'll see. So they're right around 3 o'clock, 3 or so, a rebound. Yeah, so uh, isn't that interesting? The Fed chairman, so Fed chairman is responsible for coming up with interest rates. When you're dealing with meeting reserve requirements and what banks charge each other, they come up with this and they're giving you a number on what interest rates are going to be. And a lot of people look at that and say, are they setting interest rates? And the reality of it is, no, they're not. They're setting one interest rate, but the market looks at them because they have access to a lot of data that might be helpful in determining where the economy is going to go. So as I did in a previous week, I I was showing how short-term interest rates were actually leading the way and telling the Fed what to do uh, based on what was going on at that particular point in time. So number one, I want to get that out of the way, that it's not that they're controlling all the interest rates that everything is, you know, when you look at mortgage rates, and but they do have a lot of information that people use to determine what interest rate to charge each other. So he's talking about PC, PCE, which is personal consumption expenditures, is, is basically what that stands for. Uh, so you're, you're looking at this data coming out, and there was a private closed-door meeting, as he's saying, with just Democrats, with the Fed chairman, 
And all of a sudden they come out and they're recognizing that maybe there's not going to be the interest rate changes that. So they're trading stocks. And he makes the point that they like to trade stocks. Politicians like to trade stocks based on, you know, information that they get to know that maybe not everybody else knows right away. And would go to jail for using. Yeah. <laughs> no, so as an investor, your reaction may be, that's it, I told you the stock market was rigged. I told you the stock market was rigged. And, you know, the, the reality of it is, is that when we look at this, let me just put this into context. As an investor, number one, when you market time, which is basically what these politicians would be doing with this information, they would be market timing. You have to be right twice when you get in, when you get out. Maybe you got some information on the way in that's helpful. But the reality of it is most of the information is news that drives the markets. And if you look at the biggest news of the past 20 years, it wasn't interest rate in increases or decreases. It was wars. It was you know, planes flying into buildings. It was, you know, banking you know, collapses and things like things that even the politicians wouldn't have known. Now, there are certain politicians that have been accused of having better information than others and really making a lot of money on stock trades. And, and in some case, yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of other things that they've made money on as well. But here's the thing. As an investor, if you look back, and this is one of the reasons that I set up the very first workshop that we all teach 20-something years ago, I started putting things in that workshop, and it all came from a trip to the library one day. <laughs> it was the most fruitful trip to the library I have ever had, where I found articles dating back to the 1930s, 1940s, I, I jumped to the 1970s, then I jumped to the 1980s, then I was jumping in the 1990s, and I found article after article after article, and the reason I did it the way I did it was because this same thing, this same fear, was consuming people, and it was causing them to not get in the market or get out of the market or do, do the, what, I was, what I would consider the right thing with their money and invest prudently. Yeah. And what I did was I was looking for articles to show how this lack of information or this imbalance of information has always been with us. And you've always had people doing things that were just not quite right. You know, you look at different things that, that people have done, whether it be politicians, whether it be insiders, whether it be whatever. And there have always been bad actors in the stock market was my point. And I wanted to make the point that regardless of how many bad actors you had and people doing things wrong, that markets grew, you know, literally from a dollar growing to what? $14,000 in right. large U.S. stocks, right? And, you know, over $100,000 in small value stocks. Regardless of the bad actors, if you were an investor that got in and held and didn't panic and didn't, you know, try to gamble with your own money, you did just fine as an investor was my point. Right. You can get all caught up in the emotions of this person's doing something and they're getting away with something and the market's rigged and all of that stuff. You can get away. But if you look at the wealthiest people in the world and you look at the growth of their wealth versus the stock market, most of the time, it's significantly below. And if anybody should have access to inside information, should be able to game the system, it should be the wealthy. Mm -hmm. So as an investor, this is all the more reason 
not to try to figure out what's going to happen next. Where are things going to go? You know, what is going to, who, oh, what's this politician doing? Should it, should it be illegal? Should they not be able to do it? Well, that's what they said in that little clip, and I agree with them. Maybe they just shouldn't be able to do it. I totally yeah. agree with that one. Uh, for sure. You know, earlier we were talking about the Super Bowl yeah. and the gambling that went on and how that relates, you know, to the, to the desire to trade and transact. Uh-huh. And, you know, you really see that same phenomenon of this frustration with the market is rigged, you know, I need to stay out of the game or something like that with the sports betting. And, you know, even more so this season, just because I've been aware of it, you know, right. hearing news stories right. and so forth of, well, it's rigged. Well, the referees are doing this. Well, Vegas right. is controlling the right. game or, right. the, you know, the NFL only wants this particular team you know, I mean, it's the same phenomenon, right. and a lot of times it depends on, you know, if you were, uh, whatever, betting on the 49ers, well, it's rigged because the Chiefs won. Well, if you're a Chiefs fan, but you were betting they would win by seven, and they only won by three, well, it's rigged. They didn't want us to beat the spring. <laughs> right, you know, I mean, right, right. everybody has a reason to find distrust right. if they're looking for it. Yeah, that's a really good and point. And if you just, you know, in this case, avoid gambling, that's mm-hmm. a good idea there. But to your point, Paul, if if I own the market, if I stay long term, I really don't have to pay attention to all the shenanigans. I can be upset mm-hmm. as a citizen, mm-hmm. but as an investor, you just really don't have to worry about it. And we do know that when it comes to gambling, that they just want to make sure that you're playing because the odds yeah. are in their favor. Right. What is it that Burton Malkiel said, or is it is John Vogel? Uh, it's the stock market is a casino, a casino with the odds in your favor. Which of those two guys was it? Malkiel or Bogle? Bogle, that? I think. I think, about I think it. you're right. It might have been Bogle. Now that I think about it, but it's you know, it's it's in your favor. In in essence, if we look at it, you're investing, and if you just hang on, you know, it's yeah, it's up and down. It's it's random. There's randomness to it. But the odds are in your favor because you have people running companies whose sole desire is to make the value of that stock go up. Yeah. But, you know, the people who are actually saying the market's rigged are people who really do not understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you come to True. the foundations workshop that we teach that mm-hmm. you created 22 years ago, you learn that there are two ways to invest. And one of them is built on pure science. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the other way is, you know, built on speculating and gambling. Um, and you could say, well, it's rigged, and therefore I'm going to invest in this or I'm not going to invest at all. But there are all ways to build a portfolio um, and totally understand what's going on that you can feel confident that it's not rigged. Because it's not rigged. Well, if you, I- if you, buy, if you own a company... Would you say that when I go to work every day, I'm gambling? I own this company. (laughs) And when you own stocks, that's what you do. You own companies. Now, you can approach it as a gambler, and you can buy and sell and buy and sell. But basically, when you sell one company to buy another company in its place, you are literally betting that that company that you sold is going to go down. The other person is betting that it's going to go up. But you're exchanging companies with each other. 
Right. It's like, I'm going to sell my financial planning practice this week, and I am going to buy the hardware store across town. And then next week, I'm going to buy back my financial planning practice while you buy my your well, hardware buy store back company. from me. Yeah, you buy a donut. And you go, what? <laughs> Who would do that? Right. Well, you think about it, that's yeah. what we're doing. You know, thinking about your comment, Ira, I mean, it just struck me because you said when you created the Foundations Workshop 22 years ago, the data has been updated. The articles have been updated. Yeah. Science has another 22 years to back up what was created 22 years ago. Right. But it's the same message. I mean, just that's that's really unheard of in our world. Yeah. Now, it still works, and science is still science. The laws of physics don't cease to exist yeah. just because the president is in one party or the other. But, I mean, it just kind of struck me well, my that first book, uh, it's yeah. the same yeah. deal. Well, my first book, it was funny because I, I had a client that's been a long-time client came in this week. And, and, you know, I was looking for something to explain taking income from a portfolio. And that concept we were talking about earlier, Ira, where you say, I'm going to take out, you know, 4% out of a portfolio. And if the portfolio goes up 10, then I've got six left to go back to the principal. You know, so I was helping that, helping her understand that's how we help protect mm -hmm. ourselves yeah. from inflation. And I was, I was running around trying to find the data, right? So I could just show her, right? So I grabbed my book above the maddening crowd because there happened to be a copy of that, which was written in 2007. Yeah. And I've opened it up and I, and I showed it to her. And she goes, isn't it funny that you haven't had to read that? It's basically, right. you can still use this book. Right. And that was the, I mean, exactly the point you made. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let me give you an analogy that I was thinking about yesterday because, you know, I like to teach with analogies. Mm-hmm. Whoever gets to know me knows that I like to cook. I like cooking competition shows. I am not at that level. I will be the first one to admit that. Right. I will not beat Bobby Flay, okay? Um, I don't even know who that is. He, he's a celebrity. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Whatever. He's a celebrity <laughs> chef. I, know, I knew you didn't know who he is. But, you know how I am. But here's the thing. It blows my mind how these celebrity chefs, and I'll do it in the kitchen as well, you know, they... They don't measure anything. I mean, they just pour. You see them pouring in like, that's a half a bag of sugar. What are you doing? <laughs> or th th that's way, way too much salt. You know what you're doing? That's too much. But How I'll do, do you the know same it's too thing. Much? You know, I'll pull out different spices and just try putting things together. Yeah. And most of the time, my food comes out pretty good. I have to admit, it does. I mean, you're going to have to. I need to, okay. I need to try this stuff. I, I, uh, I have not. But so I would call those people. There, you know, and I'm, and here's my analogy. So you have cooks, right? And then mm -hmm. you have bakers. Uh -huh. Now, with baking, that's a real science. You can't say, well, I'm going to put in an extra half a teaspoon of oh. yeast. Or <laughs> I'm going to add a little bit more sugar. Okay. Okay? Because it could really baking screw it up. Baking is really that's a science. A great metaphor. Okay? Yeah. But... I could add a little bit more cumin or I could add a little bit more pepper yeah. or a little Tabasco sauce or something. I cooked a lasagna with chorizo one day, okay? And with my what? guests, <laughs> my guests loved it. They're like, oh my God, this is so good. I just wanted to try something different. Is, is that a spice? It's a, a sausage. It's, it's a sausage. Oh, okay, thank so, you. <laughs> I'm clueless. But, but here's the thing, okay? So you can put together your portfolio like, ah, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'll throw in a little bit more foreign this time, or right. I'm going to overweight it. I don't think the market's going to do good, so I'm going to overweight it with some bonds. But I right. want those high-yield bonds. Mm. You don't really understand them. Right. Or you can have the science of investing, 
with empirically tested portfolios, yeah. you know, based on Nobel Prize academic research. Right. Uh, some of it going back to 1952. Yeah, and it's and not just back test. There's there's logic behind it. Right. You know, like goalpost effect. Right. You know, for example. Yeah. You know, or, so, or what? You know. So with that science, with the baking, mm-hmm. you could be a lot more confident what the outcome will be, mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, I don't think it tastes like it should, or you know. You know, and and a lot of these you know, they have like these two celebrity chefs during these competitions, and they'll have a blind taste test, mm-hmm. and one chef wins over the other. Now I'm sure both of the dishes came out absolutely superb, but these judges, I mean, with all that, well, this one wasn't crispy enough, or right? this one could use a little bit more acid, or this could use a little more yeah. of this, and you won because of that, mm-hmm. and it, and it just blows me away watching these people cook. You know, they're saying, you know, they, they, they're giving, sometimes they're given an ingredient mm-hmm. and they have to create a whole dish around this ingredient. And you're watching them add all these things without measuring anything else. But it's way different than baking a cake. Right. And we bake cakes here. So, so I, I like that because, you know, the metaphor really works if you think about, well, what was the cheapest ingredient you put in the cake? What was the, I don't know, what would be the cheapest ingredient that you... I don't bake. <laughs> it'd be well by volume. It'd be flour. Would be cheaper than okay. There you go. You okay, so let's sure. let's just run with that. Yeah. So we're gonna use way too much flour because it's the cheapest ingredient. Yes. Would uh-huh. be like you guys yes. see where I'm going? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do totally. You look. You look at <laughs> you know like target date funds or portfolios put together yeah. by typical advisors. What do they do? They throw the cheapest thing in there. Large U.S. stocks yeah. overweights the portfolio. Until you, and you your, know, and your cake die tastes of fl- like flower parts. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Excellent. Excellent metaphor. Paul Winkler, investor coach. Yeah, I mean, the, you look at how they put these portfolios together and they put too much of, of something in it because, hey, you know what? We can market that it's cheaper. You can make this cake way cheaper if you put all flour in it. Tastes yeah. like garbage. <laughs> there you go. Paul well, Winkler, got- investor coach, Joe Ira Work with a wonderful metaphor. You gotta wonder how they sell hamburgers at McDonald's for 99 cents. I did, yeah, I don't want to even know. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right. We're back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, Ira Work, and Evan Barnard. Cost of owning a car is getting painful, according to the Wall Street Journal. Gas prices are in check, but nearly everything else related to your vehicle getting more expensive. So they're saying that 
you know, if you look at car insurance premiums, rose 20.6% in January, up from a year earlier. Yikes. Ouch. Trip to the mechanic, price of parking space, highway tolls are also up, offsetting savings from the big exceptions, falling gas prices. Uh, ballooning costs for the car in the driveway can squeeze budgets, and they says that transportation is Americans' biggest expense. Hard to cut, though. And apparently, uh, auto loans, you got interest rates up there. That's another problem that we're dealing with. Uh, for people that borrow, this is another good reason not to borrow to buy a car, have a sinking fund, put money aside. Even in retirement, this is something I've had to tell a lot of people recently, is when you're working, hopefully you save money, save money, save money, save money, put it aside, build up a little fund on the side, then you buy your car for cash, and then you start saving for the next car. And that way you don't have to go and finance it. And people say, well, what do you do in retirement? Because, you know, you might need a car and markets may happen to be down. So I might have somebody pull a little bit more out of their investment portfolio every month and then put that some of it aside for car purchases or roof, you know, repairs or, you know, those types of things. But they're, they're saying that the annual cost of owning a new car including expenses such as gas and insurance, climbed $12,000 in 2023, up from 10000 in 2022, latest estimates from AAA. And uh, this is new price car, car price themselves only went up 0.7%. But then you also, I don't know, that might be skewed because they've got a lot of electric cars that nobody wanted. And that may have brought that number down just a little bit. I don't know, guys, if you have looked at this or had anybody complain about it, you know, thinking about buying a new car. Is it a good time right. to buy a new car? I've had some people ask me that question. I know I had just seen a uh, news story. I didn't read through it. So this was just the headline, but um, that used car prices were coming down, you know, because during some of the right. supply constraints, used cars were almost more than new cars because right. they had parts and you could get them. Well, and, and the chips too, you know, because you right. had the new cars didn't have the chips for like a heated seat yeah. or, you know, lumbar support or whatever. And some people wanted the old cars and there was more demand for them because they had the little bells and whistles like that in them, but the new cars didn't have them. So they're like, heck, I'll just buy an old car or a used car that has, you know, the, the mirrors that move and, you know, the heated steering wheel and all of that stuff. And, you know... I'll forego the brand new one. So I'm, I wonder if that's part of it, you know, because maybe the chips, because the chip manufacturers, I mean, good grief. Some of them, uh, you know, th that it, that has been, I mean, don't go and chase this and go, geez, I want to go invest in a company like that. But NVIDIA, if you look at the price of that stock, it's like pff, meteoric. And a lot of it had to do with the lack of chips. And because and, now what's happening is we've got new chip manufacturers coming on board in different parts of the country. So go figure, man. Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> no, but I've had people ask me, is this a year to replace the car? Right. And maybe, you know, I, I would just keep an eye out. But, you know, <laughs> a lot of people have been not wanting to go with the all electric because of, you know, the cost yeah. of battery replacement is just ridiculous. And then what was it? I, I'm, I might have even said something last week. I think BMW is abandoning EVs and they're starting to look at hydrogen. Now, are are uh, they doing the hydrogen? Their, because I, I think so. You see the Toyota, there was something out there about Toyota and ammonia. Yeah, someone was because there's a lot I think of hydrogen that Tuesday at the meeting, maybe. Yeah, I think I did. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I did mention that, didn't I? Yeah, so yeah, it's to me it's interesting because it doesn't burn as fast. It doesn't it's not as combustible, you know, so they have to mix it with other types of fuels. But, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I'll see these videos and go, is this for real? <laughs> you know, you, you kind of wonder, uh, but it, it looked pretty pretty doggone official. Uh, you know, it was something that they were playing around with. So it'd be interesting to see if that becomes something. But hydrogen, I know that we've talked about that before. You know, the possibility of actually having that be the driving force. And um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of fake news out there. You got to watch it, right? <laughs> you guys or see even, the or even well-meaning news that's just not true. Would you see the <laughs> uh, there there's somebody at yeah exactly? <laughs> Did you see there 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 are posts of uh, somebody used AI to put Biden and Trump in pictures together. Uh, yes, I did, did you see, see that? that? They were like roasted marshmallows yeah. in one of the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty like, good. So it was really good. Well, uh, I was you know they're they're like having a big time together, and that you know, became you know, a topic at Davos. Oh, did it this past week? Oh, really? Uh, at the World Economic Forum, and um, I forget the number of signers, but basically, <laughs> a lot of the tech companies uh-huh. uh, and even Sam Altman had had delivered a talk there, and they're you know, how they're going to accomplish this, no idea, but uh-huh. they're committing to doing everything they can to prevent deep fakes yeah. from swaying the election, the election. from allowing content and so forth. I mean, that was actually a, a big topic of conversation. Yeah. And and there are ways to detect whether it is. And I think that's going to be the key. Yeah. Because you can get really worked up about it and really scared about it. Right. But then you think, well, you're assuming that it's going to come to fruition and that nobody will have an answer to it. Right. And I think that is a mistake because it always has been a mistake. Anything, you know, I think back in history, the things that we've been scared of and the things I've talked about, good grief, just on this show over mm-hmm. 22 years, things that people have been scared of. <gasps> this is going to happen. Well, oh, my goodness. And then and I go, well, well global just, cooling. Well, you know, and, <laughs> right, sure, yeah, yeah. Global cooling in whatever seventies or eighties, we're the all going to freeze to death. That's right. We're going to have a global ice age. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But, but what we find is that typically there's an answer from the mind of some brilliant person, yeah, on how to answer some of these things that, that we fear. Because you know what? If a lot of people fear it, there's money to be made there for sure, and that's capitalism. There is money to be made solving a problem, and fear is a huge problem. What we're scared of, yeah. whether it be diseases, whether it be economic catastrophe, whether it be you know some kind of a, an issue with a with a foreign government that is mm-hmm. threatening. Right. You know, think back to Reagan, Star Wars. Uh, you know, people were worried about governments having nuclear missiles and being able to launch them, and then you say, well, wait a minute, we got a way to work on this. We got this program, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, whether it was how work, I mean, a, lot, a lot of this stuff, you know, technology that's out there that we don't even know about. When I think about, you know, people commenting on what the government's doing and I go, the government's doing a lot of stuff that I don't even, I don't have a clue what they're doing. Here you know, you, the reality of it 51, is. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and you hear, you know, these, there are things to be fearful of, but reality of it is there's probably, you know, somebody working on the solution to the problem. Oh, absolutely. And I tend to be an internal optimist. It's like, you know, our self-talk. I was watching a video I sent it to my family. I said, you know, th- this is it guys. The stuff you say to yourself mm-hmm. can really, really, and, and, and this guy, he was a, um, he's a pastor 
uh, master psychologist, and he just talks about the stuff that we say to ourselves. Watch how you talk to yourself. Watch what you talk to yourself about. Watch the things that you're going, I'm so scared about this. I'm so afraid of this. Watch it because that stuff you keep repeating yourself, you know, it really gets into you. I, I, it I, can drag you down. I was sharing that with a group the other day that mm -hmm. you own what you confess. Mm. You own what you confess. That's it's very similar to something that I don't want to hear what you mean by that because that's something similar to what I say that, to people. For example, if you you know you you know you look at it and say, well, I can't remember names. Oh, I can't. I got you. I got you. Or I'm computer illiterate. Right. So the, or my body's breaking down. Yeah. So what you confess, you know, we talk about, you know, in, in, in one of our workshops, we talk about language, that everything is done through language. Right. What you say. Right. So if you keep saying my body is breaking down, as opposed to I'm going to get up and go to the gym and work out, you're just going to sit at home and your body will break down. Right. But you're in that mental mindset that your body is breaking down. Or you can say, I can't do this. And then you add one word to it and it, it, it really, it's, it's magic. I can't do this yet. <laughs> you know, so it's um, unless. But that, you know, but that's like a very, yeah. very big thing is that what you, you're, you're hearing the words. Right. I can't, I'm bad at, I'm bad at names. Mm-hmm. Well, there are ways to actually remember yeah. certain things. And you know this from your training. Right. There are ways to, little tricks that you can develop sure. that it becomes easier to yeah. remember. Association names. or whatever. Um, yeah. You start going to the gym. Mm -hmm. Now you start working out on your body and you become stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom is an example. She's like, Computers ruin this world. As she sits with her iPhone in her hand, <laughs> talking to her grandchildren in Boston, New York, and California, and sending them little emojis every morning yeah. to brighten up their day. Right. That's exactly. You can use it for good. Right. So, or you can use it right. against, uh, to work against you. Yeah. Right, sure. You know, so like, you know, they used to call what the television, the, the devil's box or something. I, there was an idiot box is what I always idiot heard box. to refer to. <laughs> okay. But yet you think about how easily we can tune in and, you know, whether it's fake news or real news or somewhere in between, we can still watch and get some knowledge about what's going on in our local community, around the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, I mean, if it wasn't for the TV, most people would have never heard about the terrorist attack in, by Hamas in Israel. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. 
Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.